Welcome to the Refine Your Health podcast with Dr. Dion. I'm a primary care physician, and now I can happily add podcaster. Tune in to each episode to hear great information on improving health outcomes, disease prevention, and overall community health advocacy. Thanks for listening. Now let's jump into today's episode to improve your health. Hello, listeners. This is your host, Dr. Dion, and thanks for checking out this episode of Refine Your Health. Welcome back to my loyal listeners. And if you happen to be checking out this podcast and this episode for the first time, thank you for listening. And feel free to like and subscribe to the podcast so you can get the latest episode as soon as it is released. And please feel free to leave a comment on your streaming platform of choice so we can improve the access to this particular podcast to different individuals who will like to improve their health. I want to discuss a particular topic for this episode. We're going into the spring and summer months, and I thought this would be a good time to talk about a particular condition called seasonal allergic rhinitis or hay fever. And this most often is caused by pollen carried in the air during different times of the year. Now, there are two different types of allergic rhinitis. The one that we're going to focus on for this particular episode, which is the seasonal allergic rhinitis, is indicated in its name is that this particular condition occurs during different times of the year throughout different countries. And the other type is perennial allergic rhinitis, which means this condition can occur year round. But we're going to focus on seasonal allergic rhinitis because most people are familiar with this condition. And this is something that we see more often during the spring and summer months. As it relates to what is allergic rhinitis, we've discussed that somewhat. But let's talk about what causes it. The cause of allergic rhinitis is most likely due to when the body comes in contact with a particular allergen and this allergen is inhaled through the nose or mouth. And this causes the body to release a histamine, which is the body's response when it is exposed to a particular allergen. And this histamine is a defense that the body uses to fight off the allergen. And it can result in different types of symptoms, which we'll discuss a little bit later. The most common type of allergens that exist is the tree and flower pollen that we see most commonly during the spring months, especially early spring, where we see the yellow dusting that occurs on the driveways, on the tops of cars. You can see it pretty much everywhere most of the times during the spring, early spring months. And the tree and flower pollen, like I mentioned, is most common during the spring. The other types of allergens that exist is the grass and ragweeds that produce most pollen during the summer and fall months. There's other types of allergens which occur mostly indoors. That's dust, animal dander. And what I mean by animal dander, that's just shedding of, you know, fur, skin, things of that nature from maybe pets or animals that are living indoors, as well as cat saliva and mold. Now that we've talked about what is allergic rhinitis, as well as what causes it, who is impacted? It can impact children to adults. Now, this condition most commonly occurs in children before the age of 10 years of age. Now, according to the American Academy of Allergy, Asthma and Immunology, 8% of the adults in the United States experiences allergic rhinitis of some kind. The symptoms that individuals who have this diagnosis present with 
is multiple, but this is not an all inclusive list. But these are some of the most common symptoms that individuals may present with. It's sneezing, runny nose, stuffy nose, cough, sore throat, headache, fatigue, hives, and individuals may have these symptoms develop immediately when they're exposed to the allergen or it may be delayed. But I want to talk about a symptom of fever, even though hay fever is the common name that's associated with seasonal allergic rhinitis, fever is not a symptom of seasonal allergies or allergic rhinitis. So I want to basically get rid of that myth that may be out there that fever is related to allergies. The symptoms recently mentioned, these are common in adults, but children may have similar symptoms as well. However, some of the symptoms that children may also exhibit may be shortness of breath or wheezing, which may indicate a potential diagnosis of asthma in children, as well as watery or bloodshot eyes, which may indicate a condition called allergic conjunctivitis. Children may also present with signs and symptoms of allergic shiners. And what I mean by that is dark circles up under the eyes or a dark line across the bridge of the nose or the top of the nose. And that's from constantly rubbing in the eyes as well as the nose due to irritation and watery and itchiness. This is not to say that it cannot occur in adults, but it's most commonly seen in children. Now that we've talked about some of the symptoms, let's discuss risk factors. Individuals that are increased risk for this condition may have a family history of allergies in the family. There may be a personal history of asthma or eczema. In addition, there can be some external environmental factors such as cigarette smoke exposure, exposure to certain chemicals or scents such as colognes, hairsprays, perfumes, as well as just in general exposure to wind or air pollution, things of that nature that can be potential risk factors for causing some of the symptoms of allergic rhinitis. Now that we've discussed what causes it, some of the symptoms, as well as potential risk factors, many individuals may want to know how it is diagnosed. Now, mild allergies may be easily diagnosed with a physical exam. However, I want to mention due to these particular symptoms that are coming with allergic rhinitis, you want to make sure that you see a medical provider or physician in general, because you want to rule out other conditions that can present with similar symptoms. Is it a common cold? You want to make sure that you rule out COVID as well as any other potential diagnosis that may have similar symptoms. As I mentioned previously, mild allergies may be diagnosed with a physical exam. However, there are other there are two other options that exist as far as the diagnosis of allergic rhinitis. There's a skin prick test that is used by doctors. In this particular test, they place several different substances on a on an individual skin to see how the body reacts to that particular substance. Now, I personally, as a primary care physician, do not use this particular test. Usually I 
defer this to a specialist called an allergy slash immunologist who does this particular test. And that's because they have more training in this more so than most primary care physicians. And most of the time it's best for them to do this particular test so they can best manage it. Now, there is another test that I have used in my office and it's a blood test that you can use to check for particular allergies to different allergens. And it's basically if it's a particular allergen that's coming in your particular area of the country and it's coming during a certain time of the season, you can test this with a blood test. And if it comes back positive, then this can indicate that yes, this particular individual is having these symptoms more likely due to exposure to a particular allergen during a certain part of the year. And yes, the blood test can indicate sensitivities to multiple allergens. That's why majority of the times when this blood test is done by a physician, there is a panel of allergens that are tested to see if an individual is allergic to more than one allergen within the environment in which they live. This test not only can be done in the uh, primary care office, it also can be done at the specialist office as well. Individuals may ask, okay, is there a way to cure hay fever? No, not really, especially if you have the risk factors and you have the increased sensitivity to, to particular allergens. But there is some lifestyle modifications or changes that you can do to limit your exposure, such as when pollen is high and you know that you're sensitive to this particular allergen, that you remain more indoors and limit a lot of the outdoor activities that you may do. And some of these meteorologists in different areas can tell you when the pollen is high and you may have seen it during different news programs, as well as these apps that we have, these weather apps can indicate if the humidity is high, if that's a trigger for you, if the pollen is high, so you can plan your day accordingly. In addition to limiting exposure that way, as far as going outside when the peak is high for different allergens, you can also wash clothes frequently as well as sheets. In addition to vacuuming frequently, Also, just talk to your doctor in general about other ways that you can limit exposure. In addition to lifestyle or behavior modifications, there are medications that are out there that are used to treat allergic rhinitis. And some of these you may be familiar with. And some of these are the most commonly used medications and they are often available over the counter. And it's a group of medications called antihistamines. And if you remember when I talked about allergic rhinitis at the beginning of this episode is that the trigger for allergic rhinitis is when the body releases histamines that causes your body to develop these symptoms as a defense in response to being exposed to a particular allergen. So there is medication out there called antihistamines to combat that response that your body would typically have when it's exposed to a particular allergen. And these antihistamines, like I mentioned, you all may be familiar with, and they're often over the counter. And some of these medications are Allegra, Claritin, Zizol, Zyrtec, and Benadryl. And they do come in generic forms, even though I just mentioned the 
brand names for a lot of these antihistamines. I would say with the Benadryl, you will have to be careful with that medication. It has a tendency to cause more drowsiness than some of the other antihistamines, but there is a potential of some drowsiness with antihistamines in general. And usually I recommend to my older adults who are interested in taking these particular medications that they discuss with their primary care provider, because some of these Antihistamines can have more of a side effect impact as far as drowsiness and things of that nature in older adults compared to other individuals. Another group of medications that is used is called leukotriene inhibitors. And this is a medication that prevents that overall reaction when you're uh, exposed to a particular allergen in a certain type of environment. The generic for it is called Montelukast, but the brand name many may be familiar with is called Singular. So this is another medication that can be used to combat allergic rhinitis. There are decongestants that are out there that exist. And some of these names are called Afrin and there's a generic form of that as well as, and that's a particular nasal spray. And Sudafed, which is a pill medication that works as a decongestant or Sudafedrin is a generic form of that. And these particular decongestants have a short time frame that you can use these medications. You typically no more than three days because if you use it longer than that, then you can have a rebound effect, which means basically you use it longer than the three days then you can have your symptoms come back worse. So it can make the congestion worse if you use it longer than three days and stop it. Especially when I talk about Sudafed, I usually tell individuals with heart disease, stroke, anxiety, high blood pressure, some of those chronic medical conditions like that, that you have to be really careful in using these particular medications because they have side effects that can impact these conditions and make them worse. So before using any type of medications like this, such as Sudafed or anything that contains Sudafedrin, please discuss with your primary care provider or your specialist prior to taking these medications on your own. The other group that's out there that is used to treat allergic rhinitis is eye drops and nasal steroids. Now the eye drops, they're used to help with the itchy red eye symptoms most of the time. And then you have the nasal sprays and these are particularly called nasal steroids, which help as well with the congestion. And some of you may be familiar with the brand names like Flonase and Nasacort. These are options. The eye drops and nasal steroids can be used, I should say, longer than compared to the three days that are used for the other decongestants that I previously mentioned. There are other options for treatment of some of these allergic rhinitis symptoms, especially if you have severe allergies. And some of you may be familiar with this treatment of immunotherapy, or most people call them, oh, I go get allergy shots during certain times of the year to prevent from having severe allergic reactions. Immunotherapy is a great option for individuals who have these severe allergies when exposed to different allergens. And with the allergy injections or shots, it does involve you typically going to a specialist office most of the time, and that's an allergist and immunologist that I mentioned previously. And usually they'll tell you how many injections you would need and how often as far as the duration of these injections. And most of the times when you go, they, it usually takes 30 to 45 minutes, close to an hour once you get the injection, because 
you'll need to be observed in the office to see if you have a severe allergic reaction to the injection itself. This may be cumbersome to some people in regards to impacting your day-to-day having to go to the doctor's office more frequently than normal. But if it's something that you're trying to prevent these severe allergies, it is well worth it if it's impacting your quality of life. Now, There is something that I came across as another treatment that I wasn't quite aware of that is available now, and it's called the sublingual immunotherapy. And this is basically a medication that you place underneath the tongue, and it works in the same way as allergy injections. And the benefit with this is more than likely you will just need to be observed possibly for that first initial dose in the specialist's office for this particular medication. And if you tolerate that well, then you more than likely will be able to give yourself the medication at home without any type of supervision compared to the allergy injections. So I would say if you're looking at something as far as an option that is least likely to impact your quality of life, bring up this discussion with your specialist to see if this would be an option for you as far as treatment for your severe allergies. Now, I know I went through a lot of information in regards to allergic rhinitis, but hopefully this will be something that We'll give you quick info about what is allergic rhinitis, risk factors, some of the signs and symptoms, and basically seeking medical attention to make sure that you rule out other potential diagnoses that can be similar to allergic rhinitis and to make sure that you get treated appropriately so you can be well aware of how to better take care of yourself during the spring, summer months, as well as fall when typically a lot of these symptoms and this diagnosis is prevalent. So I hope this information has been helpful. Please don't forget to like and subscribe to the podcast. And thanks for listening. This is your host again, Dr. Dion. Take care. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Please subscribe and feel free to tell your family and friends to check out the podcast. And remember, this podcast is for educational purposes only and the thoughts and opinions Do not constitute medical advice.